Hello and welcome to another episode of the Talking Heads podcast with me, Saul Walker. And me, Lucy Chamberlain. The crescendo of spring is over and now the long, hazy summer days are here. Colour is the name of the game, whether in our blossoming borders, cute containers or walls of riotous roses. The climax of the gardening year has begun. The hum of mowers, smell of suntan lotion and sight of hoeing is all but too common on Saul and my estate gardens. Keeping everything looking lovely whilst balancing the time we have to spend on the plethora of jobs is one of the fine arts of any head gardener's role. But remember to take some time out to enjoy your efforts. Every week, Lucy and I will endeavour to bring you into our world throughout the summer, whether at Stonelands or East Donland Hall, in our own modest gardens packed full of fruit and veg and the odd exotic jungle, or on the road as we travel the country, enjoying the best this industry has to offer. So, settle back for another episode of Hijinks and Horticultural Waffle, as we take you inside the busy and exciting world of the modern head gardener. Well, hello everyone, welcome to Stonelands. My name is Saul, I'm the head gardener here. Uh, we're going to take a, a tour around the garden in aid of the National Garden Scheme. Uh, I'm going to give you a bit of history now for 10 minutes, then we'll go on the tour and then we'll be back for tea and cake, so that should be nice. So a little bit of history, Stonelands was built in the early 19th century by the... Well, hello everyone, welcome to another episode of the Talking Heads podcast. You were just listening to me giving an intro to a National Garden Scheme tour group at Stonelands. In fact, I've had four groups come and visit Stonelands this week, so it's been quite busy for me. Um, you're not going to hear Lucy on today's podcast. You'll all remember, if you were listening to the last podcast, that we've been at Gardener's World Live up at the NEC all last week. A long, tiring, very warm... Uh, very humid week so Lucy's having a rest this week and this sh podcast might be just a little bit shorter than usual as I'm also quite shattered but I wanted to talk to you about the National Garden Scheme and opening your garden in general because I've done it four times this week and I think I, I particularly enjoy opening the garden there are reasons why I do it but the main one is for the charity the National Garden Scheme and its beneficiaries so I thought I'd give you a little insight into what the National Garden Scheme is about uh, if you're interested in opening your garden maybe you'll want to contact them and talk about it otherwise if you're thinking about opening your gardening anyway hopefully I can give you just a little insight into what it's like for me and maybe a few hints and tips as we go along. So let's first talk about the history of the National Garden Scheme. Uh, for those of you who don't know about it, or maybe you are listening to us in a foreign country where the National Garden Scheme isn't quite something you have, uh, in this country, the NGS is an organisation that helps support garden owners to open their garden for a small entry fee that then funds back to many of the National Garden Scheme's beneficiaries, which we'll talk about in a second. For those of us in this country, uh, the most uh, visual part of their marketing is the yellow book, which in gardening parlance is something everyone will know. It's the small Bible, completely in yellow, that lists all the uh, gardens that are open in the country and is usually split up by county organisation. Sometimes you will actually see the counties producing separate little booklets, again in yellow, which you can find at all good tourist information centres, public libraries, shops, village halls, wherever the yellow uh, book is found. So uh, those little booklets are usually free 
and fantastic for especially if you're down here in a uh, in a county for a holiday you can find some fantastic gardens that open almost every weekend during the spring and summer and some of them are very very worthwhile visiting while you're on holiday anyway the the history for the national garden scheme starts in the mid to late 19th century in the 1800s 1859 onwards the mp william rathbone from liverpool and the very famous nursing uh, pioneer florence nightingale worked together to try and develop the system of district nursing to support the less fortunate society with their health and medical needs uh, this culminated in 1887 with the formation of the Queen's Nursing Institute, which is an institute that still exists to this day, which helps with the coordinating of national standards for district nursing. In the early 20th century, uh, they got together and in, and in 1928 decided to raise funds through asking garden owners to open their gardens to the public for a small uh, entry fee at the time it was a shilling a head and in 1928 the national garden scheme was born 600 or so gardens were opened and they raised something like eight thousand pounds this scheme continued year after year to the modern day uh, in the 30s uh, 900 gardens were open and many quite famous names including Winston Churchill, Vita Sackville West among others opened their gardens and in 1932 the first booklet for open gardens was launched by the national garden scheme unfortunately it wasn't yellow it was actually uh had a green cover for obvious reasons uh, again cost a shilling and had something like a thousand gardens in it it wasn't till after the second world war and the feeling of renewal and rebuilding in the country that the national garden scheme decided to turn their booklet yellow and that is the color that persists to this day and in fact is an incredibly famous book in gardening circles. But it wasn't until really the 1980s that National Garden Scheme became independent of the Queen's Nursing Institute. So for the first 50 or so years of its life, it was actually a subsidiary of the QNI, who obviously used it as money uh, raising. But from 1980, the NGS became independent and decided to take on many more beneficiaries for the money it raised. So in the 80s, Macmillan Cancer Support became a beneficiary. The 90s, Marie Curie, Hospice UK and the Carers Trust. And then in the 2010s, Parkinson's UK also joined, which are now their main uh, beneficiaries, uh, still along with the QNI. And uh, they will get a share of the money that is raised every year. Uh, there are other beneficiaries as well, um, some that are very dear to my heart because they involve the support and training of gardeners. One of the charities that I uh, always like to uh, highlight on this podcast is Perennial, used to be known as the Gardens Benevolency Trust. And they uh, use their funds to support gardeners who have come on hard times or require a little bit of money to get them through a bit of financial or medical hardship or also support and train gardeners and also now have a few gardens around the UK uh, recently donated to them. So Perennial is a very worthy charity for me, but also English Heritage, uh, the WFGA, the National Botanic Garden of Wales and Professional Gardens Trust also get a share of money to help with the support and training of gardeners. There are also some smaller charities involved in gardens and health, so Horatio's Gardens, Maggie's and the Green Fingers Charity also get a little bit of money. Uh, many of them have gardens as part of their therapeutic or respite work, so uh, very 
worthy charities as well. They've raised over 67 million since 1927 when the uh, National Guard scheme was first thought about. And last year they made something like three million pounds. So uh, a lot of money is raised for really worthy beneficiaries. Just one reason why you should be opening for the National Garden Scheme. I'll stop here and just show you two of my favourite trees in the garden, which are our Luckham Oaks, uh, a quirk of oak nature, uh, a hybrid between the turkey oak and the cork oak, first discovered by William Luckham, whose nursery was not too far from here, uh, near Alfington, just up the uh, ex estuary. Uh, they're really interesting oak, uh, really nice shape, uh, quite a lot of good qualities. Unfortunately, it does lose its leaves in January as it's semi-evergreen. It's quite annoying after I've swept up all the other So why should you open your garden for a organisation like the National Guard Scheme or another charity that you might be opening for? Well, there's the obvious answer. As we've just discussed, the money raised from your garden opening really goes to help out all these charities and beneficiaries as described. But there are other reasons for opening your garden. Uh, for me personally, as a private head gardener, I don't tend to see much in the way of the public. Uh, therefore, the garden doesn't really get seen by many more people than myself and my team and the owner. And therefore, there is a little bit of me wanting to show off uh, the garden at Stonelands. After all, it is an historical garden. We've put a lot of work into restoring it, plus all the old, more maturer plantings. And it is a lovely garden atmosphere. So actually having people in not only allows me to show off the work we've done at Stonehenge, but also gives me a little bit of a boost. Uh, so there is a little bit of ego involved in my case, where I like to show people around the garden. And I must say, after the four groups that I had in this week, I did feel a lot better about some of the work I've done. As you will have heard in previous podcasts from me and Lucy, there's no worse critic of your own garden than yourself. And sometimes you have to have other people open your eyes to the beauty of the garden that you've created and not get drowned in your own thoughts of I haven't done the garden to the best of my abilities because 90% of the time the garden is looking fabulous and that 10% is only really seen by you anyway. So uh, it's really nice to have people point that out. There are other reasons to open the, your garden. You might have a garden that is dedicated to community activity or some kind of health or charitable basis that you really want to promote. You may want to uh, use your garden to support uh, your uh, business as well. So a lot of nurseries open their garden for these schemes as part of their nursery work. There's also open gardens that highlight a certain amount of the community work that goes on within uh, smaller villages and towns and even cities that people want to promote as well. So there are various reasons why you should open your garden and at the end of the day, people love to go out and visit these spaces and see the work you're doing. So who is opening their gardens? Well, traditionally, uh, they sort of fall, have fallen into two camps, which are the very larger gardens, such as Stonelands or East Donnelland Hall in Lucy's cases. Some of them are private, some of them are public as well. The National Trust Gardens do sometimes join in with the National Garden Scheme, and there are other public gardens that might have special rates for a day or two that will help promote both their gardens and also raise money for people like the National Garden Scheme. Uh, 
they're also just the normal suburban or urban or even town back gardens that people have dedicated their lives to. Some of them are just very general gardens. Some of them are dedicated to things like national collections or a certain way of gardening. Uh, what's really nice in the UK is that the gardens across our land are very, very varied from the very highly formal to the informal, those that are promoting rewilding and environmental techniques in their back gardens, to those that have very specific planting designs in mind, such as the exotic jungle gardens, Japanese gardens, very formal water gardens, all kinds of gardens that you can visit. So um, the plethora of gardens that are involved in these national gardens are a wide breadth. So if you have any kind of garden, you'll probably find uh, a place for you within the national garden scheme. Uh, those are sort of the two sort of more traditional ends of the garden. But like I've already talked about, there are community gardens, allotments, uh, nursery gardens, uh, market gardens, uh, gardens that are more involved in the therapeutic side of horticulture, such as those that are owned by Thrive and other organisations. So as long as it's a green space with a story to tell, then most of the gardens that open for the National Garden Schemes are worthy for inclusion within their yellow book. And even if you're not going with the National Garden Scheme, people love to come and see the work you're doing within your own garden. So uh, if we just stop here, here at our pond, we have a lovely tree, which is our um, Catalpa bignonioides aurea, or the uh, golden-leaved uh, Indian bean tree, which has uh, really lovely qualities and is a bit different to all the other more native oaks and beeches we have in the garden. It's also one of the very few trees that flowers in July, which is uh, a great quality, and it has these long beans that come in the autumn. Uh, a really nice tree, and one you can also coppice or pollard if you want some bigger leaves so we're just going to pass now underneath the so how do you get involved well the great thing with the national garden scheme is that it is split up into county-based uh, organizations so uh, if you want to get in touch with your local county organizer it's usually head up by an individual which has quite a large and extensive team depending on the county setup they will come and uh, visit your garden and help you plan how you wish to open your garden whether you're going to do it the traditional way of opening it for just a day or whether you're going to do it by arrangement or maybe a combination of both the national garden scheme organizers will help you do that um, I will say that uh, opening your garden is not uh, a, a simple affair. There's a lot of organisation that goes into it, whether it is just the coordination of the groups. In my case, I get requests all the way through the year and we have to organise dates, times and uh, the refreshments they require. If you're opening for the day, you probably need to be thinking about having, depending on the size of your garden and the scope, organising a few volunteers to come and help you on things like the, uh, the entry desk to take the money. Maybe you need some people helping you with the refreshments. Some people walking around the garden to interact with the visitors and ensure their safety, etc. So there is a few things to be thinking 
thinking about when you're opening a garden and a bit of planning that needs to be done. But the great thing about the National Garden Scheme is they have organisers that are incredibly experienced with opening gardening. Many of them are actually also opening their own gardens. So they'll be able to give you their hints and tips and help you with the organisation of that as well. And then there's also the thought of when would you like to open your garden? Well, most of that is dictated by when you think your garden is looking at its best. For me at Stonelands, I also have to work between the owner's wishes so there's school holidays to think about so we open from April to June and close just before the summer holidays you may have to think about but also think about if you're opening for the day that it doesn't clash with any local activities the last thing you want is to have an open garden with everyone coming to your garden and there's a, a village fair or or town event or something's going on just down the road and you have that clash so it's well worth trying to organize your day not to clash too much also your national garden scheme organizer will help you to fit it in among the amount of gardens they have in the county so in my county of devon there's roughly 100 120 gardens opening and we don't want them all to open on the same weekend or else that will just be one big clash and we won't be able to spread out the visitors among the gardens so the all national garden scheme organizer will be able to help you with that it's also worth thinking about whether you're going to open on a yearly basis and whether that day that you open every year say it be a bank holiday or maybe uh, during half term for schools or something like that if that's something you're willing to do every year um, so thinking a bit more long term will also help and whether you want to change up when you have your open day some people will open for the spring for a different uh, appeal to the garden to say some people are open the autumn or some people will do both as well so really worth thinking when you're going to open up because that will become quite binding if you definitely do it long term but overall, the point of opening your garden is to have a fun day out for both yourselves and the people that are visiting. So think about emphasising the uh, interest of your garden. It'll help you decide on how you're going to develop your garden as well. Some people have uh, put in features into their garden specifically for their National Garden Scheme open days. But most of all, make sure you have a fun experience and enjoy the day. can be a little bit stressful for, for some, but it's worth thinking about all that money raised for the charities as well. So we've just seen the compost heaps and most of the compost that I produce there comes here into the vegetable garden. This was installed when we restored the property in 2012 and was part of that design that I described earlier by Arabella Lennox Boyd. Um, it was on the site of the old stables here but uh, those were taken down as they were quite dilapidated and they put in this lovely uh, vegetable garden which is um, still a challenge to me to this day as I'm not a natural veg grower but I'm learning a lot uh, which is nice even after 20 years I'm still learning about gardening. So uh, yes growing potatoes and leeks and onions so if you've decided that you want to open your garden to show it to the public and you want to raise a little bit of money for a charity, then what do you do next? Well, if you're going to go down the National Garden Scheme route, which I highly recommend because at the end of the day they have that... 80, 90 years experience of opening gardens. They have all the marketing and promotion experience behind them and they'll be able to put your garden, of course, in that very famous yellow book. It's worth contacting them. You can either approach them via their own county organisations. If you can get the little booklets that I've already described that are uh, dedicated to the various counties, you will find most of the contact details for county organisers or area 
organizers in the uh, first two pages and they will be able to then run you through how you will apply to open a garden and hopefully get you into that yellow book or you could go to the NGS website ngs.org.uk where not only will they give you a whole overview of what I've already described in a bit more detail but they'll also show you how you can get involved to open your garden and even if you don't want to get involved in say opening your own garden you can also volunteer for the county uh, organizations make donations or even get hold of the yellow book and much more uh, merchandise including some very snazzier aprons if you need that for your own if your own garden or kitchen uh, so well worth going to that website and uh, investigating you'll also find the uh, find a garden facility which uh, allows you to get the yellow book in a more virtual form and you can uh, type in your postcode or a postcode you might be going on holiday and find what gardens are open over certain timings which is incredibly useful if you're not going to open for the national garden scheme but you're just opening for yourself or one of the other organizations that do open gardens it's worth approaching them and asking them how you would go about it or just arranging a day open for your garden for a, a, a local charity or a specific fund that you're trying to raise but definitely all very well worth it and at the end of the day opening our gardens is a, a fun way of allowing people to see exactly what you've been getting on with in your uh, in your own patch uh, sharing ideas it's a lovely day out to actually uh, uh, meet with other gardeners learn what they're doing exchange plants uh, get make sure you've got a plant sale i'll say that it's a good way of getting rid of all those spare seedlings that are now clogging up greenhouses up and down the land or on your windowsills you can make a little bit of money from them but also make sure you've got some good cake as well because if there's one thing we all know about a good garden visit uh, half of it is about visiting the garden the other half is about having a nice slice of cake and a cup of tea so uh yes enjoy uh, opening your garden if you're already doing so if you're thinking about it please go go and do it because it is very worthwhile uh, but if you're not doing either and you're just out visiting gardens please check in with yellow book see if there are any local gardens to support in your area go and visit them you'll be surprised about how much you'll learn about gardening uh, what you can see uh, going on in your local area and also just seeing these gardens from year to year and I will always say if you're uh, a group based in Devon please do get in contact with me I'm in the yellow book uh, I'll be more than more than happy to show you around Stonelands uh, during the spring and early summer so yeah enjoy your summer of garden visiting me and Lucy will be back next week with our normal uh, podcasting but until then Enjoy your garden. Well, that's the end of the tour. We start the tea and cake in a second. I hope you've really enjoyed the uh, tour today and enjoyed looking around Stonelands. Thanks very much. Hope to see you again sometime in the near future. Thanks very much. Cheers, everyone. That brings us to the end of today's episode. We hope you enjoyed listening and look forward to you joining us again for the next instalment. If you'd like to contact myself or Saul, we're free to chat on our social media platforms. I'm on Instagram at headgardenerlc, and you can find Saul on Twitter at GardeningSaul. Any review you'd like to leave us via your podcast provider would be gratefully received.
Long summer days are the high point of any gardener's life, as we'll spend all the hours of the day enjoying our outside spaces and the plants that bring us so much joy. Gardening at this time of year is such a great pleasure, and we hope to keep sharing this all summer long. And so, until the next episode of Talking Heads, goodbye! Goodbye!